2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out at CheeseHeadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am joined here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, uh, welcome. It is Friday. It is good to
3: be back for another episode of the podcast. Yeah, it's always great to be here. Um, This week is always, you know, it's exciting. It's a holiday week. Um, Some of you might be listening to this episode around a campfire or recovering from last night. Uh, I'm actually at work on Friday. Uh, So obviously we're not recording this podcast live, but the night before. Um, But in in any case, Independence Day is yet another sign that football is right around the corner. But here's a fact that is only going to be interesting to me. The colonies actually declared independence from England on July 2nd, 1776, but it took them two days to draft up the whole thing. So, so we actually celebrate the 4th instead of the 2nd, and some of the founding fathers always thought that July 2nd was going to be the holiday. So boom, my history degree just keeps coming in handy in real life over is, and over, Kyle. Is, uh, is that boom a fireworks joke? Is that what you did there? No, that was oh totally an accident. <laughs> Listen, but I'm just huge, giving you credit. for I will that. edit this into taking credit for. There you go. That horrible <laughs> that's joke. that's solid. Uh, and oh, one more thing before we get started, though, a, a huge thank you to everybody who listens and supports the podcast. And if you get a chance, please go out and follow us on Twitter. Uh, Kyle is at Packer underscore pundit, and I'm at Andrew Mertig. This is a passion project for those of us who host, and interacting with fans is really what makes this special and fun. So, sharing the podcast with your family and friends or coworkers really, really helps us out. And the more listeners we get, the better product you're going to hear every single day. So, um, on top of that, if you're a really generous person and you love the Packaday podcast, um, the at Packaday Podcast Twitter handle uh, has a, a great way that you can support us financially if you're willing to do so. But regardless, a huge, huge thank you to everybody who listens and hope you are all having a fantastic holiday. And so from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, It's time to talk some football. Let's do it. Let's do it. We do really love interacting with all of you, Uh, and we
2: really have these last couple weeks as we've been going through this series that we're going to continue today. And if you've been listening on Fridays, you know that Andrew and I have been breaking down the off seasons of the Packers' division rivals. That's where we started. We spent a whole episode on each of the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears, and we took a look at the moves made around the NFC North to see who got better and who might have gotten a little worse. And we thought that that was definitely worth your time and our time because, as you know, the Packers do have six divisional matchup games uh, with these rivals. But then the last couple of weeks, we've taken some time to look at the Packers' non-divisional matchups from their 2019 schedule. So far, we've talked about the Broncos, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. And so we've got four teams left to go here. And so today, we're going to continue down this path, and we're going to talk about two of these teams that we have of these four that are left. And since we're only having to do two teams today, I'm actually kind of excited about the extra team that we got to time, that we got to dedicate to these two opponents, to their offseason moves, and to the current state of their roster as we head into this new season. And so for today, those two teams that we get to take this deep dive into are the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are a Week 10 home game, and the 49ers are an away game Week 12. So let's jump right in here, and uh, let's, uh, let's talk about those Carolina Panthers first.
3: Yeah, so the Panthers are coming off of a disappointing 7-9 season, and there were definitely some questions starting to rise about if Cam Newton was ever going to be able to get Carolina back to the Super Bowl. They started the offseason, they cut cornerback uh, Captain Munerlin, and they had running back Jonathan Stewart retire. Um, you know, it's funny, Kyle. Jonathan Stewart, to me, seems like somebody that's been in the NFL since the inception of fantasy football and really only existed as a player to frustrate fantasy owners. Uh, Like in all seriousness, he was somebody I really liked coming out of Oregon, but he was just that like incredible talent whose production is probably better than what you would think it is. But his career was always hampered by injuries and then constant timeshares. Yeah, I don't absolutely.
2: Know. That's a he's a player that like consistently produced. And I just kept reading that as a part of our outline over and over, trying to figure out if he actually did
3: just retire. It seems like he's been in the league for so, so long. That's crazy. Yeah, him and D'Angelo Williams were always like the last two guys you wanted to see on top of your running back availability list when <laughs> your your pick came up because you never knew who'd take. Um, but the the Panthers also made some other moves. They extended safety Eric Reed. They also bolstered their offensive line by signing center Matt Paritis and tackle Daryl Williams. Uh, Cam Newton has taken a lot of punishment over his career, and I feel like the hits have taken a major toll on his body, even the big, huge athletic frame he has. But then also they've they've taken a toll on his mental state. So in investing in keeping them upright and clean in the pocket is a great start to their offseason. They also signed wide receiver Chris Hogan from the Patriots. He does everything well. But it is going to be interesting to see a guy who runs really precise routes and is used to getting the pinpoint accuracy of a guy like Tom Brady to try and catch passes from Cam Newton, who has been one of the least consistent throwers in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball the Panthers signed edge Bruce Irvin and then they were able to get defensive lineman Gerald McCoy after he was cut by the Buccaneers and I'm I'm sure McCoy is going to have some added motivation going to a division rival and if Irvin and McCoy can provide some pressure that is definitely going to create some additional opportunities for Luke Keekley and that back seven of Carolina in the draft they brought in edge Brian Burns in the first round and, of course, he was the draft crush of much of Packers nation. And Burns' career is going to be watched closely and constantly compared with Rashan Gary by Packers fans. One important thing to remember for Green Bay fans, Gary actually has very similar athletic profile numbers to Burns, despite being a lot bigger. Burns' dip around the edge is sure to get him to the quarterback several times during the season, but we will see how he plays in the pro's. Now that he's carrying 20 to 30 pounds more weight than he was in college. In the third round, the Panthers selected quarterback Will Greer out of West Virginia. And personally, I hate when teams draft quarterbacks in the middle rounds. It's a strategy that very, very rarely pays off. If a guy was good enough to play in the very near future, he's going in the first or the high second round. If he's a developmental guy, you may as well wait till the fifth or sixth because you're going to get the same level of talent. However, there are things that I do like about Greer's arm talent, and it will be interesting to see how he is brought along behind Cam Newton. Um, He's sort of being talked about as their quarterback of the future. At least that was the thought when he was picked. But it's something interesting that I ran into. I had to look it up. Cam Newton is only 30 years old. Wow. (laughs) So he has been in the league a very long time. But, uh, you know, if not... I I have a a lot of doubt that he's going to go the Brady route and play into his mid-40s. But still, there's a lot of football in front of Cam Newton. In the fourth round, they drafted Alabama edge Christian Miller. In the fifth, running back Jordan Scarlett out of Florida. Uh, They got tackled Dennis Daly in the sixth, wide receiver Terry Godwin in the seventh. The one that stood out to me the most out of those four, uh, Terry Godwin was really impressive in the senior bowl. And he is going to be a name to watch as a potential fourth or fifth Wide receiver for the Panthers.
2: Yeah, so when we think about whether or not this team got better, I mean every team is making moves trying to get better. I think the Panthers' defense got better. Better when I look at the moves that they were able to make. I love uh, what they were able to do and bring in Gerald McCoy and Bruce Irvin. And it's well known that I loved Brian Burns in this draft process. So uh, still, still a little bit, little bit uh, upset about that. But uh, hope all the best to him in Carolina. I think Eric Reed is a really nice ex- extension that Carolina was able to make, and they have all those additions to pair with the play of guys like Luke Keekley and uh, guys of that caliber that are already on this team. And so I think this defense has a chance to be much better this year. But the Panthers offense is, is so weird. Like for a long time, I've really felt like Carolina has had one of just the strangest offensive identities in the entire league. I love guys like Christian McCaffrey, but I've always just kind of wondered what kind of a, it was kind of a strange fit that he went to Carolina. And so much of this team rides on Cam Newton's big arm, but they have, you know, they've consistently surrounded Newton with really strange offensive weapons. And I really do like second year receiver DJ Moore, and I think he can be a special weapon for that offense, but I think that this is an offense that is pretty dependent on Cam Newton's consistency and his availability. And we know both of those things have been kind of streaky in the past. So to me, the defense might have you know, taken some steps forward and might actually be pretty good this year. Um, but I think that they need a lot to be better on offense, and I'm not sure they got what they needed this
3: offseason to make many strides there. And, and you raise a good point about Cam Newton's weapon. He has had the most success when he had receivers that could – either blow right past you, like Steve Smith or Ted Ginn Jr., or who had enormous catch radiuses like Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funches. Now they've seemingly surrounded him with good route runners who can win with quickness, and that is not really going to work well with his game. Cam Newton is a really, really good player in the NFL. You could say he's a really good quarterback, but he is not and will never be an accurate quarterback So you have to give him guys who can get past their defender and run under his throws or who have the athletic profile to get an inaccurate throw and box out their defender. And when he has those options, then he can take off and run um, and really create that way. And for some reason, they're going away from those kind of receivers. Uh, Yes, their defense should be much improved, as you pointed out, but they have to overcome New Orleans, Atlanta, and even to some extent an improved Tampa Bay team. So Green Bay should be favored against them, but certainly that's going to be yet another tough, tough matchup with a really good defense. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I really like just thinking here on the spot, just the, the, even the DJ Moore, uh, matchup with the Packers cornerbacks. I think that favors the Packers cornerbacks at this point. And like you said, I like the way you said that with, um, receivers that are kind of about timing and, Uh, need a little bit more touch and and accuracy, it will be really interesting to see um, how that plays into who Cam Newton is and who he's always been. So we'll we'll watch that for sure when these two teams match up. But let's go ahead and move on to the 49ers and their offseason. Their offseason got started by emphasizing keeping some of their own players with their team. And so late in February, they were able to apply the franchise tag to kicker, They applied the franchise tag to a kicker, Robbie Gold, who is openly unhappy with the tag and has even requested a trade. Most recently, Gold has given the team until the 15th of July to get some kind of an extension done so that he has more long-term security for his kicking career. It's obvious that Gold feels like he's played well enough to have that kind of security and knows that he is able to, to do that for a team for a long time. And so he wants that kind of an extension. He doesn't want to be playing on that tag. So it'll be interesting to see How the Robbie Gold saga concludes, especially because there are so many ties between Gold and the Chicago Bears who clearly need to settle their kicking situation. So we'll just kind of keep tabs on that. Probably the most interesting that a kicking situation ever gets. But uh, from there, the 49ers signed defensive back Jimmy Ward uh, to a one year contract extension, offensive guard Mike Person to a three year deal and Kyle Nelson to a four year contract. I admittedly do not know the landscape of the long snapper position around the NFL, Um, but I figure if you were getting a four-year deal as a long snapper, as Kyle Nelson is, you must be pretty good. That's pretty good job security for a long snapper. But moving on to some more names that Packer fans will be more familiar with, the 49ers traded for edge rusher D. Ford, who was rumored to be a target of the Packers at one time. Uh, But the 49ers acquired Ford for a 2020 second-round pick and then as they got into free agency, San Francisco was able to add running back Telvin Coleman. Coleman was obviously very familiar with coach Kyle Shanahan from their time together in Atlanta, and the Niners were able to get him to join them on the West Coast on a two-year deal. The 49ers also brought in wide receiver Jordan Matthews and often injured cornerback Jason Verrett, who's obviously not very talented, just can't seemed to stay on the field, but he signed a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, But their biggest acquisition was probably getting linebacker Quan Alexander to sign a four-year, $54 million contract, which is just massive, especially for the linebacker position. But clearly they wanted to upgrade the position, and so they went after it pretty aggressively. And after the Reuben Foster experience, they clearly felt that they needed to do just that. The 49ers draft was obviously headlined by Nick Bosa. But then they also added wide receiver Debo Samuel in the second round, which is a great start to a draft for me. I love that. But then things kind of got weird from there. They took Jalen Hurd in the third round, who a lot of people really like as a developmental offensive weapon, who could be a really good fit in this Shanahan scheme. But then they didn't get much after that. They took a punter in the fourth round, and things just kind of tailed off. From there. And obviously, this is a team that's very, very dependent on the health and development of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, But what do we think, Andrew? Is this a 49ers team that's gotten much better this offseason? What what should we expect from them here when the Packers meet
3: up with San Francisco in week 12? Well, we always ask, did they get better? And on the surface, it does appear that as a a team, San Francisco is better. Jimmy G is back, and the expectations are going to be high. They made some nice acquisitions around him, and their offense has the ability to be potent if they get end of the 2017 season Garoppolo play. Tevin Coleman, as you mentioned, and the returning Jarek McKinnon are going to be a nice duo if McKinnon can come back healthy. Uh, George Kittle is just absolutely scary good and is about to become one of the top two or three tight ends in the league. Uh, But I do not like the interior of their offensive line. And they did very little to address that weakness. They also lack a true number one wide receiver. And I think there's going to be some teams that are going to get really creative to take away Kittle and force those wide receivers to beat them. Uh, They will be led by a really strong group at defensive line and some crazy athletes at linebacker. You know, on the defensive line, you have Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and D. Ford. And that's not even mentioning Solomon Thomas, who is a top three pick and is a backup. He hasn't proven much, but hey, a lot of talent there. Um, And they have some really good depth players there as well. They should instantly be a top three group in the NFL. You mentioned Quan Alexander, um, but they also have Fred Warner and Malcolm Smith at linebacker. Those guys are going to be able to win matchups against almost all the tight ends and running backs around the league. So so that front seven is going to be vicious. But the 49ers are also relying on an aging Richard Sherman. And then Jason Verrett, as you mentioned before, coming off a serious injury, a quarterback and who seems to just be chronically injured in the NFL. And I'm not sure there's a single NFL caliber safety on the roster outside of Jimmy Ward. So, Yeah, they have some really strong strengths, and to me, they have some really glaring weaknesses, so this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Like I said, they only committed to Jimmy Ward, like you said— as their one notable safety, and they're only committed to him on that one-year deal. So they're pretty unsettled in that secondary in general, even amongst the guys that you do and you, don't know, you know their names and who they are. But this is going to be a fun team to watch in 2019 and a fun game to look forward to as Packers fans because we know how close Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur are and how many similarities they share. So it'll be really interesting, uh, at least to me, to see if the game plan is something that involves some trickery or if they play each other pretty straightforward and honest. But you know that these two coaches, as much as they respect each other, are going to want nothing more than to defeat each other in their first head-to-head matchup as head coaches. So this is going to be a really fun one to watch.
3: So again, the the Panthers are going to travel to Green Bay in Week 10 and the Packers travel to San Francisco in Week 12. And that is all the time that we have for today today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike, Tyler, and Chris, and they are going to be breaking down the top 10 cornerbacks the Packers will face in the 2019 season. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we will be back next week with our final episode of the series when we break down the Packers' final opponents of the 2019 season, the New York Giants and the Washington footballers. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...